0: Thanks Deb. Good morning everybody. uh, I'm used to uh, a head microphone so I can walk around a little bit so I'm going to be juggling a little bit this morning but uh, last week I said we're going fishing with Jesus and uh, I said read Marks 1 and 2 so I'm hoping that you've read Mark 1 and 2 this week in the lead up to today because... um, It's dangerous as a preacher to assume anything, but I'm going to assume that you've done that. (laughs) But before we get started, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much that we can come and gather in your name today in freedom. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given us your life. And we pray, Lord Jesus, as we Just delve into your word now and your life now. I ask that you would just reveal what we need to see about you and the life you want us to live. For your name's sake, we pray. Amen. Well, that, that moment when you become a follower of Jesus and you surrender your life to him, when you ask him to come into your life and ask for forgiveness of sins, everything changes. For eternity. At that moment, you become a child of God, the God of the universe who created you. You become a child of Him. And His Holy Spirit comes to live within you. And uh, with, with the barrier of sin and judgment removed, His Spirit starts to transform you, and you can have a relationship with God that wasn't there previously. And that relationship changes you as time goes on. And uh, God sent into your life people who helped you understand your need for Jesus. Some of their faces are coming to mind right now. And I want you to turn to the person next to you and share with them for 20 seconds one of those people God used you, that God used in your life for you to come to know him. You've only got 20 seconds, so say their name and maybe give a small context. Who was that one of those people? Go for it. Right, yeah, It's going quiet, so everyone's finished their conversation. Okay, after the sound of three, after the count of three, I want you to yell out the name of the person you just shared with the person next to you, okay? Okay, you ready? One, two, three. Hear, hear all the names of those peoples that, that were just yelled out? God sent them into your life to be a blessing to you, and to bring transformation through Christ in your life. The beautiful thing is now that God has, through them, passed the baton to you, whoops, to bring blessing into the lives of other people so that they can experience the transformation power of Christ in their life. Well, uh, I told you we are going fishing with Jesus today, and I want to set a little bit of context Around Mark 1 and 2 before we dive into some fishing trips with Jesus, okay? So when you think about the life of Jesus, we see Jesus born. He was incarnated, as the Bible would say. And in in this text of Mark's, we see that the big evangelist on the scene at the time is John the Baptist, okay? Or I like to call him John the Evangelist. And Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus was about 30 years of age when he began his ministry. But the text of Mark shows us a big event that takes place in Jesus' life where everything changes. Can anyone guess from your reading in Mark what that big event was that happened in Jesus' life around that age of 30? Yeah, he was baptised. Good job. He was baptised. Verse 9 of chapter 1, we see Jesus baptised. But then a few verses later in verse 14 we see uh that john the baptist is arrested and i want you to understand that between verse 9 and verse 14 there's about a year and a half or so in jesus's life and mark doesn't give us a lot of detail other than that the the spirit at his baptism descended on jesus he was anointed with the spirit and uh those beautiful words of the Father, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then we we see a little bit about his wilderness experience for the next 40 days, but then there's a sort of a blank. And so you need to understand there's a, a time gap between verse 14. And John the Baptist being arrested is one of four things that take place where everything starts to shift for Jesus and his disciples. There's three other big things straight after that that you see take place. And here they are. Jesus moves to Capernaum or he goes into Galilee. Uh, Secondly, Jesus begins to preach. Now that John the Baptist evangelist has been arrested, someone needs to carry on the message. So Jesus takes up his message and preaches the same message that John the Baptist is preaching. And then we see him call his first four disciples. And you go, well, hang on, Aaron, what's he been doing for the last 18 months? We'll get to that. But this is really significant, the call of the four and what is the invitation that we see Jesus give these four people? That's it. Follow me, verse 17 of John, uh, Mark chapter 1. Follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. Note that he doesn't say follow me because you are fishers of men. I'm going to help you become fishers of men. And so this is a real intentional process that Jesus goes through. And we see Where are we up to here? Yeah. We see that for the next six, sorry, six to nine months, Jesus goes through this real intentional process with his disciples. Later on, he's going to go to the cross where he's going to die and raise again. Okay, that's later on. But right now, we see him go through a real intentional process, and that is he's training them in evangelistic ministry. He's called these four guys from his growing number of believers to join his ministry team, to train them up, okay? Earlier on, he's been saying to them, follow me, come and see, learn from me how to live as a Christian, Christian, and he's building the spiritual foundations in their life. But at this time, in the book of Mark, when we see follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men, he's inviting them to go through a training process, okay? Okay? So that shaded area, that's what I want to focus on today. That's our context. Okay, keep that in the back of your mind. And and we see Jesus take them on six fishing for men trips. And I want to just touch on them today. You see, when Jesus calls them, have a look at the text there. He says, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. And what do we see Jesus doing? He pulls them into the synagogue and gives them intensive classes to take. No, we don't see that at all, do we? That's not his approach. He trains them in real life situations, in real, in the context of real life. And uh, so let's let's dive into this and and see what happens. First of all, we read in verse twenty-one of chapter one. Who's with me here? Good. I want you to say "got it" if you got it. We we know where I'm up to. Mark one verse. 21 he says and they went into capernaum and immediately on the sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching and they were astonished at his teaching he taught as one who had authority and then we read of him uh, healing this guy who has an evil spirit within him but what i want you to notice here is that jesus is teaching with authority what's what's jesus teaching his disciples in this situation here What's the fishing trip going on here? Well, Jesus is teaching them that there's lost people who need to know Jesus in religious places. Okay? He takes them into the synagogue. And this experience takes place. And, and a, in a lot of our churches, even this church, a lot of us come here and gather together because we believe and follow Christ. We want to worship him and encourage him, each other in him. But there are people that come through our door who are searching for answers, who have questions about the deep things of life. Okay? There's lost people, people who need to experience a real relationship with Jesus in religious places. And they need to experience his healing and his wholeness. And so if there's someone new in church, don't just assume that they're Christians. Go over, shake their hand, say good day. Ask them a bit about themselves. That Jesus is teaching his people. There's people everywhere who needs to know about him. And this is the first lesson he teaches his disciples. Um, but also, too, I want to come back to this. They were astonished at his teaching. He taught with authority. People who don't know Jesus don't need our clever advice or our opinions. They need the wisdom and the power of God's Word in their life. So let's not be shy in sharing the Word of God with people. That's what brings transformation and that's what holds authority. And I'm so blessed. We're all blessed to be part of a a church fellowship here that prioritises the teaching and the correct teaching of God's Word. And we uphold the authority of God's Word here in our public gatherings and spaces in our small groups, but also in our life. That's one of our foundational practices is the centrality of God's word. This word is our final authority in life and living. Amen? Yeah. Well, we see Jesus uh, go on and, and take them on another fishing trip. Uh, verse 29. Who's with me? Great. Verse 29. It says, And immediately... He left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John, with James and John, sorry. And it goes on and says that Simon's mother was ill and Jesus heals her of her illness. And then no doubt what's just happened in the synagogue in Capernaum, if you go to the synagogue in Capernaum, um, you you walk out of the synagogue and and literally within 100 metres, it's believed that You know, that's where Simon and Andrew's house was. So early in the morning, they're going to synagogue. This miracle's taken place. They've left the synagogue and gone straight into Simon and Andrew's place where mum's sick. Jesus heals mum. People hearing of what's going on in the synagogue and Simon's home, they start bringing all who are sick and demon-possessed, and Jesus heals them. It's a flurry of activity, and all are involved here. You know, the... The, his four disciples are with him in the house there, and he's with them. And ministry is taking place. And I think what what's Jesus teaching the four here? Well, he's teaching them that there's there's people to it need to experience his healing power amongst their family and their neighbourhood. And it's the same for us today, right? There's people in our family and our neighbourhood that need to experience Christ. And I love the fact that they're they're here together, working together uh, in their neighborhood. And uh, I'm just thinking this morning of a a few examples in Scripture. It's it's interesting that in Scripture there's very few solo saints. Even in the Old Testament, you think of uh, Moses and Andrew. Sorry, Moses and Aaron. (laughs) You've got Joshua and Caleb. You've got David and Jonathan. You've got Esther and Mordecai working together. And now now we see Jesus with his disciples working together to bring the transforming healing power of Christ into family and the neighbourhood. Our family personally couldn't accelerate the spread of the gospel with ambassadors for Christ without people working together with us and supporting us. Um, our family over the last few weeks we've had uh, across our extended family a number number of funerals and it's just been beautiful to be able to send out text messages to brothers and sisters in Christ and say look will, will you pray with us at this time you know asking them to pray for opportunities and, and God has been giving me opportunities to share the gospel with family who don't yet know Christ and who need to know his healing power. I get inspired by the way Luke and Lindy work together uh, in hospitality, inviting people to their home, their neighbourhood to their home for hospitality. Um, We need to be working together to reach our family and our neighbourhood for Christ. And this is what Jesus is showing his disciples. Uh, There's lost people amongst our family and neighbourhood. Well, he goes on there, verse 35. Who's with me? (laughs) verse 35 and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed and simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and said everyone's looking for you and he said to them let us go to the next towns that i may preach preach there also for that is why i've come out and he went throughout all galilee preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. What's what's Jesus wanting his disciples to learn here? He's wanting them to learn that there's strangers in other places who need to know about him. You notice that his disciples wanted to, to stay where all the activity was happening. There was a lot going on. The day before, they were ministering in the house and they were seeing healings take place and they wanted to stay there. And Everyone's looking for you, Jesus. What are you doing? Jesus says, well, I'm, I'm actually out here praying. That might be what's going on, but I'm seeking the Father. And the Father's just told me it's time for us to go to other places. That's why I've come. I could just imagine the disciples going, um, hang on, in our synagogue, in our local town's Okay, yeah, we get that. And in our homes, we get, we get that too. But you're asking us to go somewhere else. <laughs> and it's the same for us too, isn't it? And Jesus wants us to go to strangers of other places. And it's uh, so great to hear a report back from Jeff and the YWAM, YWAM team and where they are. And our, our church supports Uh, Missionaries in other places who are bringing the gospel. I was um, recently, about a month ago, I was had to catch an Uber. Um, I was on a a work trip and I had to catch an Uber. Um, But that morning, as I was getting ready, I actually put this shirt on, Uh, this exact same outfit, actually, apart from the shoes. And I'd been given this church from a guy in Pakistan. Um, And as I put this shirt on, I was saying, Lord, would you give me an opportunity today to share the gospel with someone that, you know, God loves them and he desires them. But, you know, we've been separated from God because of our sin. But the good news is that Jesus died on the cross again and we can be made right with God. But there's a question that remains where do you stand before god what are you going to do about his love for you will you receive his forgiveness the debt that jesus paid on the cross and i was i was praying and asking the lord for an opportunity to share with someone you know within an hour i'm catching an uber the uber driver is a muslim fella and we got talking about what the quran says about jesus and what the Bible says about Jesus. And I arrive at my destination and we're getting bags out of the boot and I get to share the gospel with him, pointing to my shirt as I go. And after about 10 minutes, he takes a photo of me in this shirt so he can remember the key points of the gospel. And I ask him, look, do you mind if I pray for you in the name of Jesus Christ? And he says, yes, please do. There's strangers in other places who need to know about Jesus, and that's what Jesus is teaching them here. I I love uh, the fact um, that Sue and Austin are able to go away to, to Pilliga to the hot springs, but I love the stories when they return of the spiritual conversations that they've had with people. Where do you go in your everyday life? Maybe it's down to the shops. There's an elderly couple that we're friends with in Sydney. He's in a wheelchair. Once a week they go to the shops. You know what they take with them? They just take a simple tract and they pray and ask the Lord, who do you want us to share with today? Maybe you go and visit your doctor. I love hearing about Matty Stoves and the testimony, you know, asking as he's going through his treatment, you know, do you know about Jesus? What about the town where we live here? Um, our neighbours, the bachelors, some of you know them, they've been letterbox dropping our town with, with tracks, with the details of our church. And there's people who have come to our church because of the work that they're doing. There's strangers everywhere. But where do you go? Who do you interact with? You, you may say, well, Aaron, my, my situation right now, I, I don't go anywhere. I'm immobile. I can't go other places. Well, Think creatively. I think of Venya, who's mailing and discipling someone through the mail, uh, writing to them Bible lessons. I think of the tools online through the internet that you can reach other places for Jesus. You can sow into radio ministry that goes to places that you physically can't go. Think creatively, but also sow into those who can go. Um, Pray for them and their families. Maybe you want to provide for them in the accommodation as they go. Um, you can open up doors and introduce them to, to people who can support them in their ministries. It takes the whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. All of us are called to play a part and all of us can t- take part in what Jesus wants to do. Well, let's, let's keep going. I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> okay. Okay. Verse 40. Who's with me? A leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. So here Jesus is, he's he's going out throughout the region, preaching, synagogues and other places, and he comes across this leper. Uh, Has anyone here seen or experienced someone with leprosy? Yeah? I I have in Indonesia, um, and it's quite a sight. People with leprosy, it's it's a terrible disease of... It, it eats away at their their body and their skin and their flesh becomes quite pungent and they lose limbs and 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 leprosy is very contagious if you touch touch with leprosy you're at risk of getting leprosy yourself it's extremely contagious and and here this leper comes to him kneeling said to jesus if you will make me clean And Jesus, moved with pity for this person, stretches out his hand and touches him. What a lesson for the disciples. No one is beyond the compassionate embrace of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is saying there are outcasts that need to know me. There are people amongst us who are considered outcasts those people that are a little bit strange or weird maybe, those people who are just too difficult to handle. We don't know what to do with them. Who are the outcasts amongst us? And Jesus embraces them and brings healing to them. Who do we need to embrace today? Who do we need to embrace to bring healing? To bring healing. In the name of Jesus. Maybe you can simply do this by sharing a meal and mowing the lawn. Maybe it just might mend their heart. Jesus loves the outcasts. Chapter 2. Who's with me? Our fifth fishing for men trip. And when Jesus returned to Capernaum, so after he's been out and about with his guys, he returns to Capernaum after some days. It was reported that he was at home. So he's gone back home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. There it is again. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. Down in verse 5, we see, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, if we kept reading on, we would see that the religious people who had rejected who Jesus was, got their knickers in a knot, got pretty upset, and said, Who are you? to forgive someone of their sins. Only God can do that. I could imagine Jesus saying, well, duh. (laughs) Yeah. He said, well, what's easier for me then? To say your sins are forgiven or take your mat and get up and walk? And we see the paralytic, get up and walk out of the place. What's Jesus teaching his disciples here? Well... He's saying that there's people in need who need to know Jesus. It's interesting, we don't read in the text why they brought the paralytic to Jesus. And it's interesting that Jesus didn't see this crippled in front of him. He saw a person in need of knowing him, in need of forgiveness, in need of saving. He saw his primary need. But he didn't forget his practical need either, did he? Do we see people in need who need to know Jesus? Who are the needy people around you? Maybe they're paralyzed physically and their felt need is wellness. Well, they need to know Jesus and they need to get well in their soul. In their relationship with jesus maybe they're paralyzed socially and their felt need is acceptance well they need to know that jesus accepts them for who they are and sees them with dignity and loves them maybe they're paralyzed financially and their felt need is freedom well they need to know and experience the freedom that can only come in christ And I'm so encouraged uh, by our young people who who care for people in need. Um, I'm also encouraged by the likes of Aunty Faye, who who visits people in hospital to pray for them and to share the gospel with them. How can you help those in need to encounter the healer? Mm. Let's read on. Let's keep going here. Okay, we're in chapter 2, verse 13. Who's got it? Good stuff. It says, He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. There it is again, teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And what does Levi do? He collects all his sinners and tax collector mates. And he says, come over for dinner. You need to meet this guy, Jesus. (laughs) And Jesus hangs out with them and has a meal with them. And again, the religious people are there again. those who have not understood who Jesus is and... They say in verse 16, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. See, what's Jesus wanting his disciples to learn here? He's he's saying that there's lost people amongst your co-workers. And it's such a, a, a great example. Levi, this, this Gentile, non-Jewish guy, joining the ministry team. I could imagine the other disciples were a little bit upset. He's not like us. Well, remember, they're strangers in other places. Jesus is saying to them, they're welcome into my kingdom. They're part of my ministry team. And he sets this example. He takes them straight into his workplace. We see him recline with tax collectors and sinners. And I wonder, do you take Jesus into your workplace? Do you work as if you're working for the Lord in all things? Do you set the standard? Do you set the example for other work colleagues? You should be. We should be. How could you introduce your workmates to Jesus? How could you be intentional in that? Tomorrow, when your workmates ask you, how's your weekend? Why not simply share about your weekend but include, I met with my church family yesterday and we had an awesome time. We went fishing with Jesus. (laughs) What? You went, what? Well, we learnt that God loves all people everywhere. See where the conversation goes. See how the conversation opens up. Some people go, oh, yeah, walk away. Next Monday when they say, how's your weekend been? Oh, gathered with my church family and this guy, Matt, preached. And whatever you're going to share next week, Matt, you know. <laughs> Eventually, a conversation will start. And then a follow-up comment you can ask or a question you can ask them. Look, you know I go to church. What's, what's your spiritual belief? See where the conversation goes. Jesus has sent us all into the world in which we live and he's sent some of us into the workplace to represent him. How many of us have come to know Christ and we get involved in church and we join a Bible study and in time we start serving in ministry and that's all good and positive things to do, right? We should be doing those things. But then we forget about the world in which we came from. We forget about the lost. Forget about the hurting. Forget about the sick. Forget about those who are in need of a physician. Jesus wants his people to enjoy each other's fellowship and build each other up, but he wants us to understand that we are sent into the world just like he was. Yes, we've got to be careful. We don't go into the world just to be mates with people. We want to have an influence in the world. Just like Jesus was in his final prayer, he says to the Father, as you sent me into the world, so I've sent them into the world. Where was Jesus sent? Where was Jesus sent? Into the world with worldly people, right? Right? He was sent into the synagogues and religious places. He was sent into a family and neighbourhood. He was sent to the outcasts. He was sent into the co-workers' places. And where are we sent? Into the world. Everywhere we are sent by Jesus. And so when I come to understand this, this radically impacted my life. Um, and I had to go on a journey to live out my sentness. And as I reflect on this, three things had to happen. First of all, I had to change my activity. For Jesus' disciples here, their activity also had to change. They are in the, the business of fishing for food. And Jesus was calling them out of that activity to be in the business of fishing for souls. How does your activity need to change? Maybe Jesus is calling you out of the workplace or business. Maybe he's calling you out of retirement to re-engage in ministry. Uh, Maybe he's wanting you to simply change your activity of watching Netflix and binging on the computer. It takes a change in activity. Secondly, it takes a change of focus. For Jesus' disciples, their focus was on themselves. And he wanted them to focus on what mattered to him. Have a kingdom focus. And what are you focused on? It's no different for us today. We get so consumed by the things of this world and the troubles of this world. And yet Jesus just says, Lift up your eyes. The harvest is plentiful. It takes a change in focus. And it takes a change in relationship. For his disciples, it says, look back in verse 18, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Later on, immediately they left the father in the boat. It changed their relationship. They were used to their local synagogue. They were used to their family and neighbourhood. But Jesus was calling them to a relationship with others elsewhere. And it's the same for us today. Are we willing to change our relationships with people? For the disciples, the relationship they had with Jesus was priceless and precious. And they wanted everyone to understand that. And it affected the world for eternity. And we sit here today because they were willing to change. Our future generations, this generation, will be impacted by the level of which we're willing to change for Jesus. So that's all good Aaron but what do I do where do I start well we have organized ministries that you can be involved in to learn how to fish for men a few have been mentioned this morning amongst our kids ministries we've got dynamite we've got scripture in school we've got kids hope see Tim, see die. if you want to be trained how to do scripture in schools, to bring the gospel the good news of Christ into young lives, see Tim amongst our adults we've got an excellent connect ministry called Hands and Feet that feed those in need but it's designed to build intentional relationships so that they can discover Jesus so we've got to organise things there but all of us need to take responsibility for the, our own lives and how we're living as a witness in our everyday life. Okay? No one can force you to make that change. We have foundations here in this church. And one of the foundations, the foundational spiritual practices that we want us all to be learning and living is learning how to live as a witness and there's a tool called life to life if you want to learn how to live as a witness if you want to learn how to go on that relational journey with people as they go on that journey towards christ this is the tool for you you're not going to change overnight but unless you take a step forward it'll never happen It's interesting to see the bookends in this passage. Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. And the other bookend is because there's people out there who are sick and in need of a physician. What role are you going to take? What what step are you going to take today? Responding to Jesus' invitation, follow me and I'll make you become a fisher of men. Where's he been touching your heart, challenging your heart? Let's pray. I just want to give you a moment on your own just to do business with Jesus and respond to him. Precious Lord Jesus Christ, Saviour of all mankind, we thank you so much for the people you sent into our life to help us understand our need for you. Thank you for giving up your life so that we can have life peace and joy and hope for eternity thank you for giving us each other to encourage each other and build each other up thank you for giving us your word that brings clarity and conviction and encouragement on a daily basis thank you holy spirit for the work you're doing in our life and for the gift of your presence Lord Jesus, we thank you for this invitation. That you don't expect us to already be fishers of men, but you want to develop us in this. And you've given us each other to help us. So Lord, hear our cries this morning. We want to be more effective at living for you, sharing our faith with others, explaining your word, teaching your word, praying for people, going where you send us, living in obedience. This is our desire. We think of people in our family who don't know you, our neighbourhood that don't know you, our schools our workplace, this nation. We think of strangers and the outcasts and those in need who need to know you. You are the great healer. Only you can transform lives. Only you can heal our nation in this world. So Lord, help us. Teach us. Train us. Send us. Here we are, your people, willing. Amen. If you feel life to life is for you, come and see us afterwards, or there will be this piece of paper at the coffee station. Write your name down there, and we'll be in touch and let you know further details.